Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday, and this is the Top of the Week podcast, a division of the College Heights Herald and Revolution 91.7 at Western Kentucky University. I'm Laurel Duppin. And I'm Rebecca Alvey. This week's top stories include WKU's first year village plan, a Delta Tau Delta member bringing a firearm to a homecoming float site, a guide to Tuesday's election, and more. The WKU Police Department responded to reports of a Delta Tau Delta fraternity member pulling out a firearm at their homecoming float site with paired sorority Chi Omega. According to the report, a student made members of Chi Omega nervous with comments about a firearm before pulling out the firearm and setting it on a work table. The student was not charged and did not make direct threats, but the sorority was concerned and wanted the incident reported. Director of Chapter Services for Delta Tau Delta, Doug Russell, said the national officers were contacted by the WKU colony about the incident and are working to look into it. Russell declined to comment whether the student is still a member of the colony. October is Disabilities Awareness Month. Here to discuss the stigma involved is WKU senior Brendan Ward. Hey, hey, I'm glad to be here. Happy to have you. So, in this story published in the Herald, you said you started having issues with your high school making accommodations for you. Yes. Can you explain um, what you meant by that? Yes. Well, when I was first diagnosed with ADHD, I had a form of ADHD and a form of of obsessive compulsive disorder at that time. And for me, that was, um, it made me physically, well, I was triggered physically. Meaning, um, in class, I would, like, physically pinch my teacher and um, do things that I couldn't see myself doing today. And I wasn't doing this stuff on purpose. It was mental triggers that caused these things to happen. So, after getting tested by psychiatrists and everything, having physical documentation of my ADHD, and at the time OCD, which is now just ADHD and dyslexia, it's all written down on paper, says that, I have this. My schools have never thought of me getting any help. Like, you know, extended time on test, anything. Because they thought that I wasn't a bad kid. You know, they thought I I was good at I was a good kid in school doing my schoolwork and everything, but I still needed extra time. And so my high school they never really helped me out with anything. Even when it came to the A C T testing. I tried and tried to get accommodations for that and they said because you don't have because you're not under the, um, it's called the Disabilities Act at school. I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's, it's one of the acts where they have at school where you can get them. Um, I wasn't under that because they didn't help me get through that process. So because I wasn't on that, I couldn't receive the time on the ACT, which if I would have received the extra time, I would have done pretty good. I think I would have done much better than, I than I've done when I haven't been on it. When I haven't had that extra time, because I did really bad on the ACT. And because of my intense anxiety, um, it really didn't help me out at all. And what does Disability Awareness Month mean to you? Disability Awareness Month mean to me, meaning that um, it's a month where, well, I honestly think it shouldn't just be a one-month celebration. I think it should be celebrated every month, because um, having a disability it's kind of hard already. And so when we're going through this struggle alone and not having other people aware of it, kind of makes it hard on us even more. It makes us like we're not worth living a good life. You know, it's like we we don't have a life. Like we just categorize as people with a disability. 
And it shouldn't be that way at all. We should be able to live life like everyone else. You know, we should be able to have friends that aren't that may not have disabilities and that understand us. And so I think that it shouldn't be celebrated. It shouldn't be a month where we get to work people this one month. It should be shared with everybody year round. It's everybody that people that go through disabilities, um, I would like to let them know that your voice is you should not be silent with your struggles because the reason, the way to get help is to let people know. If you don't let people know, um, you're going to suffer alone because, you know, sometimes it can be hard to tell if you have a disability or not. So I challenge people with disabilities to not be silent. And I also challenge people to listen to them, listen to the ones that do want to come and talk because it starts with a conversation to get help. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Warren County residents are heading to the polls next Tuesday, but aside from selecting their ideal candidates, they'll also be voting on the legalization of the sale of alcoholic beverages across the county. Alcohol sales were legalized in Bowling Green in 1960, but the rest of the county has been dry since 1957. The vote is appearing on the ballot after a petition with the campaign Make Warren County Wet was signed by 14,000 residents. The results of the election will be in effect 60 days after the election is certified. During the Board of Regents Committee meeting Friday, October 26th, the plans for the First Year Village were reviewed. The purpose of the First Year Village is to establish living learning communities for first year students in order to increase retention rates. The village will replace current residence halls Bemis Lawrence and Barnes Campbell. The development of the First Year Village would mean the Pierce Ford Tower lot will be filled with green space. The lot will be removed and then relocated to across the street where the current commuter parking lot is located. The commuter lot will be removed to a new lot at the top of the hill. During the meeting, President Caboni said the new commuter lot location will allow students to be closer to classes at the top of the hill. With polls opening next Tuesday, voters might want to make themselves aware of their political options. Here to discuss is Herald social media manager and former opinion editor Taylor Huff. Happy to be here, Laurel. Um, I'd like to emphasize that I'm the former opinion editor, so I'm no longer entitled to my own opinion. So I heard that. Yeah. I heard that they really are intense about that over at the College Heights Herald. Yeah, they're really bringing the fist down. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so here in Bowling Green, one of the most talked about races is between Patty Minter and Ben Lawson. And what's your take on that? Um, well, it's a very uh, contested race, and I'd like to give a little background first on both candidates. Patty Minter is the Democratic candidate. Um, she's a history professor here at WKU, so she's very well known uh, by the students here. Uh, ben Lawson is the Republican candidate. He is an insurance agent for Van Meter Insurance, and rather than go into kind of the differences they have as the Democratic and Republican candidate, uh, I want to talk about what they kind of agree upon, which is addressing the pension issue. Uh, the pension system is one of, in Kentucky, is one of the worst in the country. It is massively underfunded, and if it's not fixed, many government employees, specifically teachers, will uh, have no retirement benefits and will not be very well off. And if I remember, when you were <laughs> the opinion editor, you wrote an editorial about that. I did. I wrote several editorials on many things, but primarily the pension uh, crisis. So Senate Bill 151, 
uh, was kind of Governor Bevin's uh, solution to this to this crisis, which I found funny, not because people were going to lose their benefits, but because he added it at the end of a sewage bill. So it just makes sense that he would add a garbage bill to the in a literal garbage bill. Uh, but yeah, there were I just remember videos and teachers of or videos and pictures of teachers knocking down the doors at Frankfurt and everyone was very upset about the issue as they should be. Absolutely. Yeah. And here in Kentucky, another race that people are talking about a lot because it's relevant on a national level is um, between Andy Barr and Amy McGrath. Yes, I will talk about that as well. Uh, so this race is for the sixth congressional district, which covers the areas of Lexington, Richmond, and Frankfurt, um, some big players in the state of Kentucky. Uh, the incumbent is Annie Barr. He is a Republican. Um, he's an attorney, and uh, he's being challenged by Democratic candidate Amy McGrath. Uh, she served 20 years in the Marine Corps, uh, which I think is very impressive, and um, kind of to talk about Andy Barr, he was recently endorsed by uh, President Trump, which would make sense because uh, some of his ads I've seen lately have been uh, pretty negative going after Amy McGrath, calling her just a pipeline to Nancy Pelosi and um, just bringing liberal values to uh, Kentucky, whatever that, <laughs> whatever he's insinuating there. Um, so he's kind of taken this Trumpian tactic of attacking um, an ideology and just um, kind of labeling his opponents um, negatively. And uh, but I was reading right before this podcast that uh, Andy Barr recently broke with Trump over the constitutional right of citizenship. Um, so people who are born in the U.S. are typically granted uh, U.S. citizenship, and Trump wants to um, change that kind of constitutional rule and Barr doesn't think Trump has the right to do that um, rather he should focus on enforcing stricter borders so a lot of contention in all areas of <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> yeah always and so again on a national level mm -hmm. do you think that Republicans will continue to maintain their majority in the House and Senate I think it depends on who shows up at the polls on election day um, we talk about this blue wave for Democrats and um, the youth movement. There's a get out to vote movement here at WKU. And I think if uh, young people, uh, a lot of who I talk to are upset with um, kind of this Republican Trump administration, if they uh, actually show up at the polls, I think Republicans have reason to be worried. Uh, but if it's all talk, you know, I think... Um, they will maintain their majority, honestly. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> Is it time already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you being here, and I appreciate your insight and your opinions, even though you're not the opinion editor anymore. Of course, but I can't wait to social this out tomorrow on, <laughs> on Twitter. Thanks for having me, Laurel. I appreciate it. That's a really good plug. Make sure you follow the Columbus <laughs> Herald at WKU Herald on Twitter. Yeah, thank you. So, today's Halloween. Do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Um, yes. I'm obsessed with Reese's. That's my absolute favorite. Ever since I was a kid, named my dog Reese, you know. That's amazing. <laughs> no, that's not weird. That's amazing. So, what'd you name him? Like, his name was Reese. <laughs> like, 
he was like a black and brown dog and child me was like well duh essentially a Reese cup <laughs> yeah, at that point that's it <laughs> well this has been a top of the week podcast a division of the college heights herald and revolution 917 until next time, check out our sister podcasts on Revolution 91.7, Nickel and Dime, and the Revolution Solution, and the Herald's podcast, The Topper Extra. We'll see you next week.